Hello everyone, I am Harry Foku and I connect businesses in the gaming industry with freelance tech solutions and I'm your host. Hey, quick message before we get into today's CEO roundtable. The guest and I are going to the Nordics Games Conference plus Gamescom and Devcom later this year. If you want to be part of a small meetup we're putting together with gaming leaders who've been on the podcast before and today's guest, please reach out to me on LinkedIn, search Harry Foku. Enjoy the show. Welcome everyone to another installment of the Evolution Exchange Gaming Podcast. Today we're doing a CEO roundtable with the CEO of Nitro Games, Yusi, the CEO of Funday Games, Christian, and the CEO of Do Dreams Limited, Eric. I would like everyone to introduce themselves. Yusi, let's start with you. Cool. Hey everyone, I'm Yusi Tatin and the CEO and co-founder of Nitro Games. We are a Finnish mobile gaming powerhouse with a little bit more than 15 years of history behind us, so that makes us one of the oldest game companies in Finland. We are set to deliver the bestest and greatest when it comes to shooter and action games on mobile. Fantastic. And Christian? My name is uh, yeah, Christian and I'm CEO of Funday Games. Uh, we are around 12 years old, so a bit younger, but uh, around around 50 people located in Aarhus, Denmark, which is the second largest but pretty unknown city, which is a shame because it's a really great city. Um, and uh, we are um, uh, moving towards primarily cross-platform titles at the moment, uh, multiplayer uh, games often, uh, doing a couple of PC projects, uh, also doing uh, an Apple Arcade project, and, and developing new exciting stuff that is yet unannounced. Exciting. And Eric? Okay. Thanks for having me on the, or having us on the podcast, Eric. This is going to be a lot of fun. My name is Eric. I'm CEO at Do Dreams. We're the makers of driving games. Driving is a gladiatorial arena racing game where you get the uh, points by knocking friends in the head with a car and and it's this silly premise that has brought the game already 250 million organic lifetime downloads and i'm here today to talk about how we make games that everyone knows lovely so we're here today to talk about communicating vision and purpose and each of you have a question on this so First up is Eric. Eric, what is your question and the context behind it? Thanks, Harry. So I'm looking forward to discussing this discussing this with uh, Christian and Yusi. I hope we won't be disgusting after that. Uh, my question is, how do you make a vision meaningful and measurable? And I can give you a little context here. So at Dudrius, our mission is to craft shared moments of thrill that's why we exist and come together as game developers so we really do want to be the studio that brings your friends and family together to play lots of the games out there just provide mere competition against strangers or some kind of disposable entertainment and i have a background in academia i used to be a marketing phd researcher and, and even a lecturer in marketing uh so i tried to create these good vision statements know according to some nba school guide so uh, so you know you have to explain that the goal of the company and how you want to achieve it starting with you know trying to create a sentence that in one sentence includes defining the customer our value proposition to them some measurable goal and maybe some time frame for getting there so that's how you get stuff like our our vision is to grow our day 100 80 lifetime value by x percent in 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 a few years time and then i was i was talking to the team about this and obviously you know it didn't end up being something meaningful or though you know it probably was measurable it didn't wasn't necessarily very meaningful and one of the artists said to me that that hey aren't we basically just trying to make games that everyone knows and i was really shocked and almost outraged that how can you say that like make games everyone knows because it sounded like such a big and scary goal but then i realized on second thought that well how could our our vision be anything less you know why would we want to make games that only some people know and uh so we we settled on that but then the the difficulty after that was that how to make this beautiful vision statement measurable and in our case we we you know we realized that you know usually when you in company talk about numbers you try to choose something big like your monthly active users and daily active users and perhaps we could follow this this uh making games everyone knows based on some social media followers or posts or something like that but in the end the success of a business it, 
is determined of the number of loyal, valuable users. And we came to the conclusion that the most valuable entertainment brands in the world are ones that people spend money on. So that's why we set as the we set the absolute number of paying users as our North Star metric. So you could say that we chose the conversion over average revenue per user since that was the metric that we wanted to improve. And I'll, I'll give the question first to Christian. So how do you approach making your vision statements meaningful and, and how do you make sure that they lead to some kind of action that is measurable? Yeah, it, 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 it's a great question. And thanks for, for all for sharing your, your approach and your journey in it. Uh, it, it has also been something that we have, we have also the, our mission a couple of uh, our vision a couple of times and also our mission and we actually was in the process uh, this this fall uh, because we, we used to build a lot of, of games together with uh, with Snapchat they closed down their, their gaming initiative and, and now we had to reinvent ourselves so, uh, and we did that in the fall and uh, doing quite a few workshops and discussions both both with the BOD and also with the, uh, with a lot of our employees employees uh, we, we came up with a vision that was uh, games that bring people together uh, and that uh, is uh, kind of have have some similarities with yours and um, and we uh, we uh, with uh, full purpose said that that this should be like it should be a dream uh, that that we are formulating here and on one hand we, we don't really want to or can can we ever really achieve it at the same time it should also be something that that we actually think that we're doing every day um so that that was some of the criteria we had for, for formulating the vision but we really like to build multiplayer games we really like the the social experience that is inherent in, in building multiplayer games and that that was really really uh, important for us but but like strategy, like not strategy like the structure of how we are we're working with it is like we have a mission a vision, sorry, that is like the like the dream, uh, and then we have a mission, which is what we try to achieve within the next two to three years. We we normally say so. So the vision we should that should be like uh, that should be like five ten years uh, that that we should work with that. The the mission is like yeah two to three years, and then we take that mission and um, and uh, and make objectives that are yearly in how to deliver on that uh, mission that should be a step towards the vision. And our mission is build highly acclaimed breakthrough games. So that, that means that uh, highly acclaimed, that is the users that love the games, hopefully also some of the critics, but uh, most folks on the users. And the breakthrough games is, of course, also reaching uh, a lot of users and, and like also reaching some kind of, of financial success in the game. Um, and then the yearly objectives, we, we use uh, that, uh, like have, have a uh, process every, every year in the fall where we evaluate our, our yearly goals and then we, um, we reformulate them for the next year. And, uh, and this year it's, we have like all yearly goals, uh, enhanced player centric game development we really want to have like be player centric in everything we do attract develop and retain our talent and having worth worse world class not not worse world class talent and um improve our production capabilities uh, being better at processes uh, being better at, at making sure that everything runs in a smooth way also when we we are not around and then publish and grow our games. That is the, the, the fourth goal. Uh, so, so that is the structure we're working with. Like the vision again, it's the big dream. The mission, how do we do we get there? And and the the objectives is what are we starting on uh, next quarter? And the objectives again, uh, as that yearly we break them down in uh, uh, OKRs, uh, which are quarterly, uh, and always mapping those things up against each other. So it, it's kind of a structured way uh, that works well for for me, who likes to be, put stuff in boxes. <laughs> and, um, but at the, at the same time, I have a really hard time measuring the vision. And I, actually, I think I'm okay with not measuring the vision because the vision should be like fluffy and and big. And, and I'm unsure if we'll ever get there and I'm unsure if we're already there. Thank you, Christian. So maybe a quick comment before we move on to you, I think you very much nailed in your company vision statements, why it's so exciting and rewarding to work in this beautiful industry of mobile games or games in general. So if you think of like, uh, bringing what was the vision statement? Bring people together, or G games that bring people together. It smells yeah. of Nokia without totally being it. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. The connecting people. So, so that, but we have seen this happen with Pokemon Go. I remember, like, you know, you go go out from the office for lunch, and you see people gathered together. You know that it's a Pokestop, and they're 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 training there, or that you're working walking in a park, and you see a dad and a kid, or a mother and a kid walking with their phones. Then then they're playing together, and this like changed uh, human behavior that maybe these parents were going on walks with their children before so so games can be very powerful when 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 you nail it and 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 i like your approach with the objectives and key results because in the end you come up with something measurable but uh yeah it's difficult finding the absolute number that tells you if the vision statement is progressing or not so that's why we chose the absolute number of paying users as the measurement of the loyal valuable users but you see how about you do you have a single metric for your vision statement so you can say that are we are we there or are are we at least progressing uh, i think for us the vision is 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 more like a north star thing to follow and the nature of those things is that you can essentially never reach it because you're never done uh, it's like the end of the rainbow that you will never get there but you have a very specific point that you're following and uh <clears throat> I'm, I'm with christian on the same boat that we're very big fans of then splitting down that vision into different steps with different lengths of time like what does it mean today what does it mean this month this quarter this year this three years period in our strategy and stuff. But I think that vision itself should be something that I fully agree with you, Eric, that it needs to be meaningful and measurable, but not in a way that you have an end that you can reach, but that you have a direction where you're headed. And then I think it's serving the purpose best because everybody who's worked on games for a while knows that things change all the time. Like it shouldn't be dependent on any specific game or team or month or year succeeding, but more like a direction that gives you the answers that what are we doing today? Is that taking us towards our vision or is that fighting against that? And then if it's clear enough, then it can give you very binary answers to all these questions. Like in our case, since we do action and shooter games, if today I am working on an action and shooter game, then I am by default driving towards that vision and I am already somewhat there-ish. But if I find myself today doing a match three game, then I'm probably doing something which is not very much going in the right direction and I should be seeking actively ways to get out of that. Then, okay, I have my game out there. I, I, I fully hear you that products and games that are successful are the ones that have paying customers. We're big fans of that thinking. And in many ways, both revenue and also EBITDA on the bottom line are very much North Star metrics for us as well because they are the ultimate signals that whenever those numbers develop into the right direction, so upwards and to the right, usually, uh, then you're doing things right. And as long as you're doing that by honoring your vision, then I think you're good to go. So in a sense, I, I fully sign off on the fact that the vision needs to be meaningful and measurable, but over a period of time so that things can change on the way. And you should never be able to reach your vision, if you ask me. But you should be then again at the same time living it every single day with everything you do. And that makes it a bit fluffy and very difficult to come up with. Thanks. You said, yeah, I'm, I'm reminded of my times at the, the business school. And when I was lecturing marketing, uh, we used to say that if you can ask only one question from a customer, you should ask that how likely are you would you be to recommend us to a friend so this is the net promoter score and you could and some of you may be using it also internally as the employee net promoter score how likely would you were you would you be to recommend us as an employer to a friend so so yeah i think that it's it's a bit of a challenge but i i find that uh, there should be some tangible uh number in between revenue and what the team is doing so they know that they're going forward and i can maybe share an example of when the vision has not been meaningful is when at some point i came to the conclusion that drive ahead is making money and it's profitable but i don't feel that it's making enough money and i said to the team that could i have ideas for how to make more money and then we start having this debate that well how much money is enough and 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 like and then you got start getting these ideas for that can be anything and and it was only after i learned how to ask better questions from the team that they started 
having better ideas and answers. And it started when we worked with our accounting and, and, and partner and our CFO and chairman, like to model the, like, what is the revenue model? What is the model for a free to play game revenue model? Because then when you, you know, you, you know, it goes, it's, it's IAPs and ads, but there, you know, you have conversions and, and, uh, uh, the average revenue per pay user and ads you have ecpms and and impressions and so we were and then we did the industry benchmark and where are we strong where are we like on the same level as the industry and where we need to develop and we found that that for example this if we want to grow revenue then the biggest impact for us at that time was through the iap conversion but if you communicate conversion numbers you know it, the percentage changes, but it's not really meaningful. So we, we, that's why we chose the absolute number of paying users because you could create a story. So we, we had our all hands meetings. We would report that, Hey, how many Ikea buses did we fill up with paying users or, 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 you know, like, and, and then, then, you know, you, you follow that for a while and then there were these tiers that, hey, now we went from Ikea buses to air buses, you know, the A350, the pride of fit air, our national air carrier. And then, and then like, finally you get to something even more fun, which is the cruise boats going between Helsinki and Stockholm. And, and, you know, then, then sometimes something happens and we have to say to the PA, but guess what? The karaoke section of our cruise boat just fell off. And, and we need to now work to build it back. And, you know, like we want to get the second and third ship on the waters also. So, so I, I, you know, I felt that this is maybe a good way to get people thinking about revenue or, or something that they can impact that translates into revenue that, that, uh, I tried for years talking about revenue and EBITDA and, and then like every time when you have to explain EBITDA that, you no, know, it's, it's sort of like profit, you know, and then you have even the adjusted EBITDA. Yeah. And well, it's kind of like better to measure that, but I don't want to explain why, but this is the number we follow. So, so that, that we felt that if we, if we take it like one notch top down from that higher, le higher level, from the revenue to the number of pay users and say that of the, this long, like, okay, no, this is a podcast. People can see I'm spreading my hands. You have this long formula for, for the free to play revenue of a studio. So we're going to pick one thing there is the number of pay users. And we focus on that. Any thoughts, Christian, you sit. Harry is raising his hand. I think it's interesting in the case because, like, there's a big piece of the pie and it all leads to the event of profit, what have you. But each person is implementing a very small part, which may not directly impact instantly. Like in the data, if you have access to data, if you're doing a free-to-play game, then you can be instant. I feel like making sure they really understand, I think, through craft leads, I heard someone describe it. It was like, okay, this is why we do what we do. This is why it makes sense to make better art for example because this happens in the back in the future if that makes sense and just making them really aware if they've done something that became a big impact on the game data wise that they actually know that's happened rather than it being a mystery i think that really helps just to make sure that the vision is not only measurable because you can see oh this is what happened after this was implemented but also like there's a reason i'm coming in and doing this not just it's not like a salary if that makes sense and what the years do clock in clock out it's like oh this is the goal I think that really helps. Yeah, and I think the like the thing there is that is the artist, for example, in this example, making a piece of art that is aesthetically pleasing. Or in addition to that, are they thinking that what should the player think, feel, and do when they see this? And and it might be people who aren't like they didn't originally necessarily get into gaming because they're super motivated by money. But, but if you can help them see that, well, this is how we measure the, the quality of what we do. And, and, and I was so happy that we found that common number, common ground with the making games everyone knows. So I often ask people that, like, hey, if we're doing this op update, that are they going to tell us stories when people gather? Are they going to tell stories about us when they gather around bonfires? Are gonna, people going to write songs about the games we make and how they make them like next year at gdc will be people be telling these legends about how awesome we are then then you know here's the answer you have to think of that but you see you have some something in mind yeah i think <clears throat> uh, for that sake of uh say we have a kpr like you spoke about having more paying users and how to formulate the question i think as part of that mix it's also 
equally important to figure out how to build the narrative around why should I care. And uh, that's something that since we all work on free-to-play, uh, we all understand the concept of core loops. So we, we'd rather think about this thing as a circle where things return back to the sort of whether it's an employee or or whether it's one of your investors or whether it's one of your paying customers or whoever it is. But like, if I actually work actively towards this vision and deliver these milestones and goals that are set on the way, what is it in it for me? Whether it's monetary gain, whether it's this, you know, fame and glory that I get to tell the stories over the bonfire that I was in that team when that thing happened and that type of credit or whether it's new opportunities in within your organization. It all boils down to the company structure that you have and the culture that you have. But at least on our end, we try to have very much narrative around how does the circle flow and when these things happen, what does it mean? For us, we're a publicly listed company, so there's easy ways out of it because everybody has stock options and stuff. So the monetary benefit is kind of like automatically happening. So that part is easy for us. But then it's more about focusing on what does it mean for my career here in Nitro or outside of Nitro moving forward? What does it mean for my personal fame and stuff like that? Christian? Yeah, I think uh, we also in the process of been doing a lot of free-to-play and interest scissoring into uh, more premium space and subscription-based services also. Uh, so, and, and some of the things that we work with, that, like uh, finding the... I think, I think like for a lot of people in the games industry, there's like... Uh, the, the main passion and motivation is being a creator and creating stuff. Um, so so talking about KPIs, uh, th- then you'll uh, pretty fast seeing people getting, getting a bit like blanky <laughs> and, and uh, a bit tired because they really want to create based stuff. So we, we have we have talked a lot about like metrics like engagement, for example, uh, and, and derived from that, there is of course also monetization and ad use and stuff like that when we work with, with, with Snapchat. But but trying to figure out where are the, the KPIs, where where it's it's more about the that you are like a, a creative soul and you are you have a passion for for creating great experiences. And and Eric, I really subscribe to your your approach of uh, what will they write song about us songs about us <laughs> in the future. Uh, I will steal that. Uh, also uh, going going forward, uh, I, I I like that 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 one because I think like a lot of. Uh, the em- employees and a lot of us all in this industry uh, all have like this this motivation and gene of creating stuff and it's it's nice to be profitable but the main uh, main motivation is not like if it's two million or if it's seven million of course seven million is better than two million but it's just nice to be profitable as as first and then the other that's just like numbers and math um, that is, is, is at least my approach so if we just move it on to eric before we go on to the next question yeah this is super important uh christian feel free to borrow that because i stole it from game of thrones in the early seasons there's this one where one of the unfortunate characters i don't remember his name is like talking to his crew of how you know like we're gonna just be brave and we're gonna attack that fortress though it's a suicide mission or maybe they were defending i think they were defending and then, like everybody's listening to nod and nodding to him and the guys calling like that they will they will write stories about us and tell this legend of our bravery over bonfires and then as soon as it uh, he turns around they knock him out and they like 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 just surrender and of course he's captured and horrible things happen after yeah that's a, that's a good good metaphor. Sweet. Let's move on to the next question, which is from Yusi. Yusi, what is your question and the context behind it? My question is that who in your company and leads the initiative of practically implementing and communicating this vision, and why is it like that? The the background for this question is essentially that uh, oftentimes when we talk about company vision, uh, we talk about something that uh, is very much in a positive light and what attracts the best people. Why are people showing up at the office every day? Why is this their dream? And, you know, positive things like that. But I think Eric touched based on a very cool term, which is this thing called a suicide mission. And whether we like it or not, working with games sometimes feels like a suicide mission when things do get difficult and stuff. And I think vision should be something that if it's implemented in the best possible way, it should be so damn strong within your organization that people are willing to go towards a suicide mission to follow that vision. 
And therefore, <clears throat> a question that we've been uh, struggling a lot with and trying to figure out what's the best foot forward is that how much of that should be driven sort of by the founders, the CEOs, uh, those type of people versus how much should come from within the team and from other other stakeholders working with the products. And, and that's something where we don't have the right answer, of course, but it's very interesting to see how you guys are approaching the topic. So question being, who leads? this initiative of implementing and especially communicating the vision and why. I'm passing the microphone first, I guess, to Christian, because uh, Eric spoke so much recently. Thank, thank you, Uzi. Uh, it's a really great question and and also something that, that uh, yeah, sparks a lot of thought, I think. Um, in in Funday Games, we, we originally was founded by, by Anas, who is the chief creative officer today. Uh, and as the original founder, he has, of course, had like a, a huge impact on the culture uh, from, from day one. Uh, I joined remember, back in 2014, I think, 13, 14, uh, around that time, 14 it was. And um, and and we uh, we have had like this this uh, great partnership ever since. Uh, so I'm as, as the CEO, of course, also uh, communicating that a lot. But but I think it works very best when when there's both like the 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 whole C level is is making uh, the, the the communication and also uh, having a lot of great ambassadors and uh, engaged uh, people in the organization it helps uh, both. Uh, implementing and communicating the vision and the purpose. Uh, another thing that so so that is like formally it's of course the, the C level, uh, but but informally it it's everybody every day. Uh, and and I think that we we did something that back in 2015 16 I think where where we sat down and talked about what kind of culture do we want in this company? What 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 are our key values? And and that is uh, is a part of our overall like strategy house with the, the vision and the mission and the the the, the objectives. As the foundation is our key values, and we have like four pretty simple key values: have fun, think big, be kind, and stay curious. And and that is uh, what we, we how we try to work in uh, in in all assignments and, and in every day. And I actually think that 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 has been a a, a, a really great foundation for for also uh, the implementation and communication of the vision and the, and the purpose because we have actually stayed they, they have been with us longer than, than our current vision have and uh, and and i think that that has has again created this foundation that that has proven to be really 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 strong and that and it's also something that we can use as as a guidance for how do we act and how do we behave in the organization uh that 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 is really important and things like culture is just really fluffy like uh, how how do we work with this and having these key, key values has been a very tangible way for us to, to to work with it in both like strategically but also tactically and and practically on on an everyday basis. Just a quick question there, Christian. So you mentioned the C level suite is kind of like a given, but then you used the word ambassadors there. Yeah, uh, I would wonder if you give me some detail. Well, there, there is, uh, I think, in, in every con companies uh, people who really. Uh, Engage and lean forward uh, in relation to to the more soft areas of a company, like uh, the key values and and what is the purpose. And there is also people, and that's totally fine, that just uh, go to, go to work. And uh, when when it's four o'clock, they uh, say this was a nice working day. I made some really great graphics or uh, some really nice code, and then they uh, return back home. And I really want a company that 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 uh, can uh, can be a great place to work for both of these two a bit uh, uh, like in white categories of, of employees so, but but of course like uh, it, it, it is you, you need to have a, 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 a like what's that called uh, all all uh, the employees need to uh, to to be a part of, of 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 your dream in some level else it's it's a misfit between what you're working towards and and the organization that, that you're running and, but but some some of the employees just naturally uh, uh, joins that that ambassador role. Uh, others uh, you'll have to work a little with, and and others again is like yeah, man, it's a job and it's okay. I like it, uh, Eric. Over to you. Yeah, I think to continue on on Christian's response about I'm some time to figure out how I should 
participate in this this uh, in in turning this vision into practice in a company. And and I think it was important to clarify the the roles of, of different players here. You know, you have founders and investors that start the company. They have the board of directors, and they're there just to like oversee that that there have there is a strategy in place and the management operates in a legal fashion so there's no kind of authority in implementing strategy they can give us feedback as a player and as speak of their business experience to be a sparring partner and then a ceo my opinion related to the game isn't any more valuable or less valuable than any any other team member or user uh, my responsibility as ceo is to make sure that we have a vision and a strategy so so i'm here to make sure that we as a company uh create uh, lasting customer relationships and and uh christian has a, had a good point with these ambassadors that some people take that role naturally they get excited and they want to talk to people and they they want to they, they get excited about the vision of the company uh in and and i i need to say something now that might be controversial, but we very rarely speak about the disservice that that Supercell does to the global gaming industry. And that is when they, they have promoted this concept of self-organizing teams. You know, team decides is the, the solution to everything. And, and the way it, it has somehow, sometimes uh, I have experienced it is that people feel that, well, a CEO, like, you know, just just stay away. And, and you know, like, you know, the only way to show that you trust the team is by not talking to them more than once a month. So I think that's wrong. And I think in high-performance organizations, there are very clear roles and responsibilities. And instead of micromanagement, you have sparring, which allows people to see alternatives and, and, and new viewpoints into things and, and maybe bring up questions. Uh, so we don't have self-organizing teams, but we want to build teams that have ownership. And the goal is, as Christian said, so that the CEO or management wouldn't be alone with this vision stuff that it would be something that everybody in the team thinks about then. And you could somehow show a link to what I do in my daily work. How does it contribute to reaching the product goal and, and the company or the studio to reach the business targets? Uh, so that the, uh, and I realized that I had made a mistake when I spoke about uh, ownership because ownership is determining authority and accountability and people were afraid that when eric asked like who's responsible for this that means that i want to know where do i point my finger when that we don't reach those kpi targets so they were afraid to give he was afraid to talk about kpi targets and maybe uh and 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 there wasn't clear ownership so so we didn't know like who's looking after things and now it, it's organized so that we have these ambassadors or champions who are the team leads so they're responsible of some area of our operations or some features in the game and they are responsible for engaging the team to get the ideas the proposals that what do we want to do in this next sprint or on a longer term and uh, and then and then uh they 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 are responsible for coming up with a way to to make it happen. Lovely. Um, back to you, Sig. Have you thought about it? Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Both. I think you had some very very strong points there. Um, touching base first on what Christian said about the the values and the ambassadors that definitely resonated with me, and I think that uh, that's something that I'm I'm pretty sure that everybody can sort of sign off on on the importance of these ambassadors and. For us, the key thing has been that how do we then recognize when people do step up and how do we make sure that whether we are founders or C-level or whatever people in leading position, that we then live up to these values every single day, that that those words actually mean something, that if people would describe ourselves, uh, would they use those same words? If the answer is yes, then we're doing the right thing. If they would say something else, then we're doing the wrong thing. And what Eric said about the importance of leadership and the sort of uh, autonomy with the teams, uh, that also resonates with me because uh, I, I believe in the fact that, you know, if you're in a leading position, especially if you are, you know, super well-paid CEO, enjoying all the benefits of the job and having all the power and authority and all that stuff, 
then of course it is part of your job to carry the responsibility of the sort of difficult decisions. And I think it's something that uh, it's very difficult to draw the line between micromanagement and being actively there supporting and draw the line between giving teams autonomy and decision power versus making them do your job and that stuff. So so I think that that's something that uh, depends heavily on the culture that you have in your company and what is expected from you. But I think, at least in my opinion, the answer for that is clarity in a way that we, we as leaders are supposed to be very clear that what is expected from us and how are we doing our part and what do we expect from the team and to see how is that in line with our values and ways of working. But that's something that uh, I fully agree that often in mobile games, this sort of uh, this might go a little bit, you know, the different direction where where leaders are not necessarily leading in a way uh, because they want to avoid micromanaging. Christian, please go ahead. You have something. Uh, I, I really think this is a really interesting subject and probably an, uh, a whole topic for another podcast. Also, <laughs> regarding this, you, usually as you talk about with, with clarity, also we. Uh, we have this saying that that we are we really we should always uh, have like clear roles and boundaries, definitions of what good look like, and then freedom and how we work, and then stay stay out of the way when when the clear uh, roles and boundaries and definitions of what good looks like is is established. Then then we should like only check in and uh, as as uh, like the the frequency could could uh, that is defined by the project often, but. But that is like the essence. But it is really hard when you're building stuff that is like that um, fussy as game. Is 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 this fun? Is is like a an, normal everyday question. And and what what is fun to to the uh, to Anas, who's the founder? What is fun to the the, the target group? What is fun to uh, uh, towards uh, one user segment towards another user segment? So so there's a lot of gray areas there and and again also if you have projects with with multiple stakeholders there then it gets uh, even harder to navigate that that uh, area but but the clear roles and clear responsibilities and what does good look like that is something that we continue to work with and we continue to do in a good way and we also continue to learn okay that was not the best way to set that up uh, so i think that is the, again it's a it's a great topic and i we uh, would love to talk a lot about that, sharing battle scars and also successes. Fantastic. Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, the Nordics Managing Director here at Evolution. I really hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data, product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. All right then, Christian, let's move on to your question. I actually rephrased it a little bit. Uh, I hope that's okay. Uh, how to create involvement and engagement in executing the strategy. That, that is something that I continue to both think is hard and, and, and really treasure when we s- succeed with it. Again, we've been through uh, an interesting year last year. So we, we revisited our strategy and we built it on top of both our key values that, that is out in the organization and everybody knows uh, we built on top of a lot of great discussions with, with some of our key employees. Uh, and of course, also uh, some great discussions with the board of directors uh, and and also in, in the C-level. Uh, but but I think that, that looking back, I would also, I would, I would actually like to have opened the process up even more. At the same time, I know it will be us that decides and and it will be the BOD that decides. So you cannot make like uh, uh, a strategy like a de- designed by committee. You 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 need to have like a few decision makers because it is so complex that you if you don't do it right and if it, if you're not thorough with with all the elements, then then you find out that that you're actually moving in the wrong direction because of the strategy. 
Um, so, so that was some of the, the background from, from my, uh, my question. How do you create the involvement and engagement? When do we close up that strategy room uh, for, for people in the organization? When do we close it down? What are your uh, experiences there? What have been working great? What have been working not so? And uh, Eric, I think I'll start with you. Thank you very much, Christian. Uh, the last couple of years have taught me how to be more humble as a leader and human being and more agile as a game and business developer. And I will now first share the, this magic sentence that I have discovered that allows me to have good conversations with the team. Here it comes. I start by saying, when it's a good time for you, I would like to discuss something. I always first say, when it's a good time for you. So I used to say that, hey, I want to know, well, maybe I first said that, let's do something. And then I learned that I would say that, hey, I want to know, like, you're, like, do you think this is a good idea? Or what do you think we should do? And people always took it as an it, as an order from the CEO that I have to drop what I'm doing and answer this Eric's burning question. So I try to remember that and, and uh, just say that, hey, when it's a good time for you, I have something in mind related to this, and I, I'd like to hear what you think. Maybe you could help me understand how we should approach this challenge or, or topic. And, and related to setting the strategy, Christian, the, I would say that the board of directors approves the strategy that management proposes. Management has to create the strategy. And, and, uh, the, and, and it's important to let people participate in a way that feels good for them and, 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 and that is natural and comfortable. If it's only an all-hands meeting, then, you know, there are a couple of vocal people that will dominate the question. So that's why we found that, you know, we do jam boards. So while we talk, you can doodle there, you can write comments. We do surveys, you know, and, and, and of course there's one-on-one -on -one questions that, you know, more similar to like career discussions. So just make sure that you have like these many, many sources. And I, I think we've sometimes even allowed people to anonymously comment on the, the strategy questions. So just to like avoid any doubt that you will be punished for bringing up, uh, problems or, or raising questions. Uh, we've otherwise discussed a lot the first phases of setting the why and defining how, but if we talk now about the what, you know, when, when it comes to uh, always start with why, the Simon Sinek's book, then then for us it's the team leads and, and, and we try to avoid saying that the team decides but more that the ownership is that the team proposes what they think would be the best way to reach our business goals and product vision. So this is their authority. And the reason why we say propose is that the team you often says to me that, hey, Eric, this is what we propose, but we understand if there's a business reason why we have to do things in a different order or prioritize them. You know, maybe one of our partners is really expecting something from us. So we want to do that first before we do something else. And and uh, when I was doing my PhD, my, my supervisor, when I started, I asked some questions and, and he said to me, the professor said that, that you know, that's such an unstructured question that uh, I'm going to give a really unstructured answer. Then he said that go read like a hundred research papers and come back to me later. So I found myself a little bit in the same situation with the team that, you know, the roadmap setting cannot be feeling based. So we have to have transparency on how we make decisions because this is a big thing causing unhappiness at work when decisions aren't made in a transparent way. So if the team proposes that we want to do something, they have to show that this is what we decided to do and this is what we don't think we want to do. And they look at all these things based on three things, the expected KPI impact, what is our effort in doing it and what is the team confidence that it's going to work. And, and uh, this is, this is already pretty good. And, and, but then we have Risto Silasma as our investor. He used to be a chairman and CEO at Nokia. I can really recommend reading his book, Paranoid Optimist, where he talks about scenario work. And this is the advice he has given in the, all the companies he invested in that, you know, before things go bad, 
or you're in trouble, think of different scenarios and what metric will tell you that you're in this bad or good scenario and what are you going to do in that situation? So when you're in trouble, you don't have to be able to start thinking that what the heck are we going to do now? So, so the scenario work for our team is that if they know the KPI impact, then we define beforehand that what will tell us if we're doing poorly, just about okay, or is this exceeding our op- uh, our expectations and then uh you know what do we do in that situation if we're poor, performing poorly how much time will we give this if it's okay how do we continue to op- optimize and if it exceeds our expectations hey you know maybe we should turn more resources into this thanks for that eric uh, uh i really like uh, both what you're saying right when it's a good time for you because anas and i had a talk and we have a, a couple of talks over the last half year that we should stop using as soon as possible because everybody thinks that 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 is just right now and it's actually meant as as soon as possible whatever it fits into your program but people are not hearing that um so uh, so that is, uh, I, I will again steal when it's a good time for you uh, from this. And and then also you said transparency is key or something like that. And I really think that also we, we have tried always to be transparent in relation to both our incoming dialogues, what we are struggling with as a company, of course, like at, at, a, at a level where where, where people can, can positively Im- impact uh, it and uh, and the uh, uh, and also your scenario uh, planning. We we had uh, we had a turnaround back in 2017, 18, 19 ish, uh, and that was the most the, the years that that I think we we learned the most in relation to how to run the company. Um, so it's 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 really uh, it's a really huge learning experience uh, there. So thank you for really really great notes. And uh, and you see, uh, should I repeat the question or is it in? Uh, no, I still remember it because I, I, I like the question so much. <clears throat> and, the, and the reason why I think the question resonated with me is that this is an area where uh, I used to suck for <laughs> so long time, to be honest. Uh, but these days, I think it's something where I feel I've learned. And, and, and this is something that I think these days I consider as one of the strengths that we have in Nitro, that whoever you approach who is wearing our hoodie and ask about what are they doing and how is that helping towards you know our vision or how is that in line with our strategy they're going to give you a good answer so uh, but where we come from before i learned things is that we come from a background that you know i was doing my ceo stuff this is our you know strategy these are our goals and then i was looking at our you know personal survey results where people are scoring really high that yes i know the company strategy i know what you know our goals are and i was feeling super happy about it but uh <clears throat> but little did i know that that doesn't mean jack shit to be honest and what really means is that how do the people actually perceive those things and if they know the facts it doesn't matter if they are not living and breathing those and the big revelation for me was to sort of step out of my super formal CEO role who is supposed to be, you know, actively leading and guiding and try to have another angle on top of that, not instead of the actively leading and guiding role, but uh, in addition to that, develop more ways to give people room to be equal and to challenge. Like Eric said earlier, uh, when we spoke that uh, uh, his opinion as a CEO about a game is just an opinion of one player. I fully agree, but at the same time, I think it's part of our job to understand that if we are CEOs, people will treat it differently because we're CEOs. So we need to actively think of ways to how we get ourselves to equal level with different people so that they can actively challenge and ask questions. Because if I'm doing our quarterly presentation the whole night row about how are we doing and where are we going it's very difficult to challenge me in that situation because i'm commanding the situation i'm dictating the speech and everything like that but then again what what i have learned is to actively seek situations where i'm one-on-one with somebody we're in smaller groups or we're in environments where the team is actually asked to challenge me and ask questions and stuff and i need to defend those things towards them not the other way around and like somehow try to reverse the setup and that's where i think you get the most meaningful conversations like hey you see we decided this thing the other week how is this you know in line with our strategy because to me it feels like it's going the opposite direction then we have a chat about it but not in a way that i would try to 
convince the other party to think differently, but just have a chat about it that, okay, we made this decision because we thought this way and somebody else is entitled to a completely different point of view and that doesn't have to necessarily change anything, but that means that you're having a discussion about the backgrounds of things in an equal manner, not something dictated by the titles. And that was surprisingly difficult for me to come up to that point to understand that I need to invest actively conscious time to meet people in that way and to do it in their terms. With somebody it's having a beer, with somebody it's going into a sauna, that's an easy thing in Finland to do because everybody's equal there. With somebody it is to have one-on-one business meetings where the actual business agenda is actually secondary and the important thing is that you are sort of actively engaging and building the room for that. And there's so many different ways, but uh, for me that has now developed the direction where it's actually the most important part of my leading is to find ways to hear from the other about how they are perceiving things and figure out how we can then improve things uh, as, a, as a whole unit based on that. Over to you, Eric. Thanks. I'd like to continue on on UCC insight because I've been thinking about the same same things. Uh, you know, we've discussed a lot about the leading others and you know this ownership authority accountability thing but this process also made me realize that i have to be accountable to the team for certain things that if i'm not able to communicate business targets in terms of revenue or profitability and i'm not able to clarify pull together some vision then it's no wonder if team is is not aligned and uh one practical thing that thing that made the quality of our conversations we have in the studio a lot better was when we implemented this new uh sprint structure where we have like two week sprints and and that gives me the timeline and schedule so if there's a sprint planning on monday then i know that i have to talk to the team leads and other team members on the at least at the latest during the week before so that any ideas or questions and requests I have are in the backlog and then we estimate those ideas to the same criteria that we have we have for everything else and then the team lead and the team then makes the proposal that this is this is what we want to do so so I had to learn a little bit this accountability myself it's not just like as ceo being that like really tough guy who's like challenging others and trying to improve how they were and i think that comes down as far as you wanted to go like i heard this on a previous podcast at next games like if there's a key decision about to be made that you can put it in the slack the public one and then you can just comment in the thread thoughts like oh wait this is going to affect me that maybe you didn't realize doesn't mean it's going to be implemented but like if you're going to do a key change to a game or a key strategy change in two weeks that seems like a good way to do it and if you don't want it to be public you can have an anonymous link like a mirror board or something i think that just always makes sense because the fact that i have the option to mention is like wait a minute like this is not good because of why i think that's really nice and it just aligns everything nicely it shows that your opinion is valued in my opinion uh christian yeah both uh also you use a lot of great points there and i also think that that we 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 have from time to time shifted a bit between two uh, like being a bit too open and too soft and from time to time especially in hard times to be honest also being a bit too like this is what we're doing right now this is the, the direction and and it's it's like every, every company is some kind of living organism that that thrives in some areas and and perhaps vanishes in, in other areas and you should work with it as, as something living all the time but um i, th- I think one, one of my uh, i don't know if it's proudest moments but but uh, i had a, a conversation with one of our employees who said there is an organizational hierarchy in, in this company and i like that because there are people who are accountable there are people who are in, in charge and it should be in that way but at the same time we have a really flat value hierarchy he called it and and i really like that that way of of putting it that that it that there is always uh, people feel that that we listen to them uh we are not always that structured in relation to like uh, shared mirror boards and uh, and surveys as 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 you're putting it uh, and i i want to take that also with the uh, onboards but but i think that 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 there is a, a lot of our employees who feel that they and i hope that they, they 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 can feel they can talk to us uh, about anything but 
But I think it's also a learning that we probably need to set up more systems because people like to communicate in different ways. Uh, and I think that, that having these uh, dif different sources of, of communication is important here. Yeah. 50% you see? Yeah, I think that's based on a very important topic, which is the finding the right balance. And I, I think that depends on like uh, who you are as a leader. But uh, for for me, in the super early days of Nitro Games, when we were still small and uh, trying to figure out how to go about this business, uh, we often found ourselves in a position that uh, due to the nature of the sort of dynamics of the deals we had in the industry back in the early days, uh, we were struggling to, you know, get money together to pay salaries on time and these type of things, which I'm sure are a reality for so many startups during the early days. And we had some really tough discussions with the small team that we had back in those days that how should we then go about communicating those things? Because very often we gave up that, hey, looks like we might not be able to pay on time. And then we come up with something and, okay, we fixed it for this month. And then very soon we found ourselves in a similar position again. But one of our programmers back in the day gave me a really good tip. And he said that, like, don't sort of uh, spread the fear by giving the alarm every time. Uh, things are not certain because we understand that this is very uncertain business to begin with. But tell us when you think that you can't handle it until the due date. Like, even if you don't know how to put it together, but you feel confident that you can figure out something and deliver it in time, don't spread the fear and just don't tell us. But if you feel like you can't handle it, then do tell us. And I think that was a pretty good guideline for an early stage startup to figure out a good middle ground between carrying your responsibility as a leader and carrying the burden versus being transparent and open and honest. Really like that. And I think that it just, it just shows that you're giving that responsibility and it manages, but you're also giving them that respect to make that decision. But then they don't feel afraid to raise things because you've made it super clear and open that this is what is expected. Like if you don't feel like you can handle it, no stress, just let us know. Um, Eric? A little bit related to use this uh, excellent point and and it's important to bring up because especially in the early stage and in this economy and global uncertainty many studios have struggled i think one one team member once gave me this advice this that uh, please tell me tell us about things when there's still something we can do so so uh i, I and i don't mean that you should have like a live visibility to the runway of the company on a daily level but it's just like that hey that you know like now the runway is shorter than we're comfortable with so so that changes these business priorities that you know like instead of working on these features that can be game changers or only features that can be game changers but require long development i want to improve with every release but uh i think we've had a really great conversation but i feel it's a little bit unfair that Harry has been just sitting there relaxed and he hasn't received any questions. He's just like moderating. So guys, what do you think? Should we ask Harry some questions? So I have something in mind. I can go first if it's okay. So, so Harry, in your work uh, as a consultant, you work with so many companies and so many projects, at least a lot more than I have, because my only experience in the two dreams is being CEO at, uh, at, at the or that my only experience in, in gaming is being CEO at Doodree. So, so uh, regarding this last topic, that you know, uh, having good involvement and, and and implementing strategy, like in your experience, have you seen something that explains why there are high performance or low performance teams? The biggest thing for me is understanding incentives to like a granular level. So, why are people at your business? It might be money, it might be X, it might be Y, but there is, in my opinion, always a way to link someone's personal incentive of the company strategy. If there's zero way, then something needs to change, in my opinion. But let's take an example of someone who wants to learn as much as possible. That's different to someone who wants to earn as much as possible. Because the person who wants to learn as much as possible, they might need to be shifted. They've been doing UI work their whole life. They might need to move into a bit more of the features as well, just so they can be content and then stay high performing. And I think when you're talking about company strategy, having that as a, doesn't have to be from a top-down perspective, like even in just the one-to-ones on the weekly basis, like really understanding why people um, are at work and what would make them have a better time at work and asking those questions, even if you're afraid of the answer, and then seeing what you can do to align it. 
I think one of the biggest mistakes I see over and over again is people becoming leads because it suits the business now. Like we don't have a lead, a lead disappeared. You're a senior developer. Do you want to do it? And it, I feel like what mentioned before, if you have the boss basically say, Hey, do you want to be a lead? It's hard to say, no, thank you. I'd rather be like stay as a senior developer. It's more like, okay, I'll take the title raise. You know, it makes sense, but you really need to make sure it's like, look, understand where their head is at because i've spoken to these developers who've become leads and they're like yeah i'd rather just be a principal developer and i think if you assume don't and make sure you're having those conversations and that is the most common thing i see in studios where you have someone in a lead position who doesn't really want to be there or doesn't know he doesn't want to be there and just you really need to just have that conversation just make sure you're aligning their personal goals whether it's their five-year plan like if you know someone's going to stay at your company for five years, they've really preached that through. There's a lot of different things you could do than if someone where you think your gut feeling says they're here for another couple of years, which is not, that's like the average of the industry. There's nothing wrong with that. But then there's different things you're going to be doing there. So when you talk about strategies, like if their career plan is going up and up and up in Nitro games, that's a different conversation you have. And I think making sure you have that and letting people know what your plan is for them. I've had that feeling myself at evolution it felt quite nice knowing it's like oh this is where we think you're gonna go then that changes what i'm doing day to day maybe i should get more experience mentoring the new people who join for example and i think that can happen day to day uh that's my two cents there good stuff harry i think like like uh in my experience what has gone wrong in these situations is that you you know many people desire this title to be a lead or a c level something but if you don't have a proper conversation that well what is the ownership there that what is your authority and accountability then then you know like there might be like misunderstanding of what does it mean to be a lead another thing i've uh seen is that sometimes yeah in a small team especially people sacrifice when when someone has to take take care of that job and, and it's not really what their their career goal is so in those situations i've tried to communicate that well like okay if this is an interim thing then what needs to happen for us to reorganize so you can go back to doing what you you like most usually a contractor is the best solution there uh oh yeah. that's a good <laughs> idea we'll have to, <laughs> that. Oh, I had to. it was so it was a layup i had to uh christian <laughs> you first uh, I, I didn't really think that, that that management is is a service function that that we we uh, we we need to to again and again uh, establish again the clear boundaries, the clear roles, and so on. So so we we uh, are a service function for an organization. We of course also have a responsibility and accountability regarding where we're heading, and and every every problem in the end will be ours because we are the CEO. So if it's not uh, if it's not handled anywhere else, and in the in the business, then it will eventually uh, end at our our desk somehow. Um, but but uh, I, I think that also one of the, the really really important areas are, are the, the the trust and the safety and and thriving in in this role. You you need to uh, to always work for everybody around you. Feel feel safe and there is high degree of trust uh, in the organization. And and with that becomes that you uh, at least that uh, has been my approach. Uh, try to always be be the adult in the room and also be a bit boring, but pretty stable and uh, and and kind of middle of the roadish kind of guy, uh, because that that is just uh, it. Uh, I really want all the creative juices flowing and and, and all the great ideas coming out of the employees. It, it's not it's not necessarily me who has the right ideas. Uh, so, so creating that these safe, uh, clear boundaries is, uh, and again, as 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 a kind of service function for the entire company, I think is is very crucial, and and how we uh, I have approached it at least. I actually forgot the question, so perhaps I just answered on something else. Yeah. But I think that top, topic as a as a whole is something that could deserve a podcast of its own because selecting people to leading positions and uh, when it's a good thing to do, when it's not a good thing, that's that's insanely difficult and something that I'm sure everybody's done really good, you know, most during the years and really bad ones as well. But our take on the topic is that how do we recognize uh, sort of career progression to and in leading positions versus being a senior in sort of just being super good at your craft, whatever that is, programming design, whatever it is. And uh, I think that's then 
ultimately ties back into your company culture and values. And uh, if you have equal recognition for both type of career paths, then I think you get people exploring the uh, opportunities for the right reasons and that then you at least are able to exclude from the mix that people are not advancing leading positions because they're perceived as you know better salaries or a higher chance of scoring whatever bonus or whatever it could be but then people are exploring them for the right reasons and then I think you have pretty good chances of succeeding with that and what Christian said about the sort of uh, job description I think that's something that uh, very often we forget, at least in, in, in Nitro, is that like leading is something that of course you need natural charisma and the natural hand for it, but it's also something where it's tons of things to learn. And how are we supporting somebody in a leading position by educating them, giving them chances to learn, because it's job like everything else and we can't expect people to figure it out. Or you can, but then it takes, you know, 20 years like for me. So... 100%. I think the education of leaders is not taken lightly. Like, I think uh, evolution is a massive thing that you checklist you need to go through, books you need to read, courses you need to do, speaks you need to people. And it's just so many things you need to learn. And actually, it gets drip, drip feeded to you. So I think that's a nice way to do it. And I'll just muse in on now. Like, when I look at the rates of a senior developer versus like a senior producer, when you get to the as high as they go, they're not that different. So in my head, when a company is debating where does the value lie, well, the market decides not that much. Like if a senior developer is going to input the game and get rid of a deadline, that's value if the same thing happened with a senior producer. But if you're looking at your salary bands and you see that all the money is going to all the leaders, maybe have a second thought and say, okay, maybe we can add a principal title here for the person who's been here for seven years. Because the, oh, the biggest reason a senior developer leaves is either they're not learning, growing, or they're not just getting paid what they deserve. These are all things, in my opinion, you can cover. Not every time is not going to be for everyone. Things are going to leave. But the reasons I hear that people leave, I think at least half of them like they're preventable by having that chat. Uh, fantastic. Uh, we'll leave it there. So this has been the Evolution Exchange Gaming Podcast. I would like to thank Eric, Yusi, and Christian for joining me today. It was a fantastic conversation. If you want to get involved in a podcast or just want to reach out, you can reach out to me at Harry Foku. Harry spelled, or Foku is spelled P-H-O-K-O-U. Thank you very much.